Good morning, good morning. What do we do? We love God and we love others. What do we say? I love God and I love you. Welcome to uh, our Big Butts series. And uh, of course, as you are keenly aware, it's not actually about butts. We're not saying a bad word. Uh, there are two T's to that bad word. We're just doing the regular one T butt. So today, when I was 19 years old, God called me into ministry. I was asking God, what do you want to do with my life? It was 1992, and, and God said, I want you to be a pastor. And when God said this, no problem. I uh, didn't have any reservations. I saw pastors at the church. Uh, they were really great guys. They had invested me, and, and uh, it seemed like a good job. It seemed like a great career. It, it seemed like uh, I could serve God at the same time because I really loved God. And, and so when God asked me to be a pastor, I was like, man, that is, yes, God, no problem at all. I didn't have any reservations. I was serving for about five or six years, and then after five or six years uh, serving as a pastor, God called me again. But this time, He called me to quit my church and uh, quit my paying job and start a church for Asian gangs and drug addicts. I know that's very specific, right? And so it was a specific calling from God. And uh, uh, I had, at this time, immediately, I had a ton of reservations because uh, the calling that God was saying, I want you to start a church for Asian gangs and drug addicts. And I was like, well, God, I'm not Asian. And God, I'm not in a gang, and I don't fight. I fight like a, I don't know what an okay word nowadays to say is, like a not a good fighter. I'm not in a gang. I've never done drugs, God. Um, uh, I don't want to be the senior pastor of a church, and I don't want to start a church. I have no interest in doing any of those kind of things. And uh I'm not that, um, I don't think people will come because I'm not, honestly, God, very likable. Uh, I got no money. Like, who would actually come? I, I don't know the people that, I don't even know the people that you would want to come. I don't know any of them. And I have contact with that. It doesn't even make any sense. And so I had so many reservations. They all added up to one gigantic butt. It wasn't just like one, I just had one reservation. I had like a million reservations. And, but together they piled on and just became this humongous but I can't possibly do this, God. In life, sometimes God asks us to do hard things, things that are outside of our comfort zone, outside of our ability, outside of our skill set, outside of even our own desire. Most times, God asks us to uh, step past where we're able to do, to discover that, that uh, what He has in store for us. But what gets in the way of that is a, is a big but. Today, we're going to look at a guy who was in this exact situation. We're going to look at this guy named Moses. He had a big butt. In fact, like me, he had lots of butts. So we're going to uh, look at him this morning. Most of us are familiar with Moses, but uh, here's a quick recap of Moses. He was saved in a basket as a baby. He was the adopted son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up. He kills a guy. Uh, he runs away. Then he uh, runs to this area of Midian. He meets his fine wife, marries her, has a couple of kids, and becomes a shepherd. Boom. Life is good. Then one day he's tending his sheep. Uh, God shows up in this burning bush, but the bush wasn't burning up. It was just on fire somehow. And God announces himself. He tells Moses his true name. Tells Moses he's got this huge plan to free the Israelites from Egyptian slavery where they have been 400 years. America's only existed about 250. You guys, 400 years they've been slaves in Egypt and God is going to free them and bring them to a great land. And, he, and, and God finishes with saying this, So now go. I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. 
man, pretty incredible. And Moses responds with, like, yeah, right? Like, uh, uh, what's that, Thor Ragnarok? He did one of those kind of like, yeah, I know him. No, that's not quite how Moses responded. Here's Moses' response. God just said, like, this miracle of 400 years, salvation to the whole people coming out. I'm doing this thing. And Moses was like, uh, but Moses says to God, Oh, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and... That's his whiny voice, you know. Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's your response? God just appeared to you in a bush that wasn't burning, but it was on fire. And he's talking about saving people out of 400 years of slavery and bringing them into a new land, and I'm going to use you. And he's like, oh, who am I? Like, what? That's his first but. His first but is... I'm not good enough to do what you ask. There are a few people in the world who think that they're like great at everything. There are a couple of incredibly confident folks who who think that they are God's gift to the world. Maybe you know a few of them. But the rest of us, we don't really see ourselves that way. The rest of us, I would say the majority of folks, don't feel worthy of doing God things. God's too good, right? He's so big and amazing and And we don't see ourselves as God-worthy. We lack a belief that God would actually use someone like me because we feel unusable or unworthy. You would say the same thing. Well, who am I to do the X, Y, or Z? Who am I to, to do this thing that God is asking? This but cries out about our own insecurities of usefulness. And we just... We just don't think that we're the right person for the job. And God responds to this, to this particular but with a promise. Here's what he says to Moses. Here's what he says to us. And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign that that is I have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God in the mountain. He says, I'll be with you. And you want to know the sign? It's going to be successful. And when you get to this place of success, then you'll know that it was me the whole time. He says, don't worry about your doubts. I will be with you. God's response is that, Moses, you are not alone. God will be with you. When God calls you out, he never, never calls you to go out alone. He always goes with you. That's true for Moses, and that's true for every one of us today. As God calls us in different things in our lives, and maybe it's to go somewhere, maybe it's to do something, maybe it's to change something. He never tells you to do it and you're out on your own. Figure it out. He says, no matter what you're going to face, maybe, maybe he's telling you to face a trial of your past. Maybe look into some of the dark pains of your, uh, of your childhood or, or uh, of your upbringing. He says, but when you face that thing, you will never face it alone. I will be with you, the God of the universe says. It's his first assurance to Moses, and it's his first assurance to you. When you follow God's calling, he will always be with you. But Moses isn't done. He says, Moses says to God, well, suppose I go to, to the Israelites, and, they, and, and I say to them, like, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and then they ask me, like, what's his name? Uh, then, then what am I supposed to say? Then what shall I say to them? So here's his second but. His second but is, I don't have the right answers. His second but is, I don't know enough. 
And this is an extremely common but. We don't do certain things. We don't talk to certain people. We don't share the gospel. We don't do whatever because, well, I just don't know enough Bible or I don't, I don't know enough God or, or this kind of thing. And often we think that we need to have all of the answers before we step out in faith. But that's not faith. That's knowledge. Faith assumes that I don't have all the answers, but I trust God anyway. See, faith says, I understand I don't have all the answers, God, but I'm going to trust you with those answers. Here's what God says to Moses regarding this particular problem. God says to Moses, I am who I am. So he gives him his name. This is what you're saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So God gives him the answer to his question. He says, well, what am I going to say? So God hears the answer. He provides him not only with the answer to his question, but more assurances, he says, you know, and more instructions. And I would say this promise is even more available to us in the New Testament. Anytime we say we don't, uh, the reason we can't do it is because we don't have enough information or, or that we don't know enough. Well, Jesus says this about when the Holy Spirit comes upon people, uh, and that's us, after he dies and resurrects. Jesus says this, when you're brought before synagogues or before rulers or before authorities, don't worry about how you'll defend yourself or what you're supposed to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So, so God gives the answer to Moses, and God will give you the answers. And he says, not only that, not only will I speak through you, but you don't even have to worry about the answers. It's not about the answers. I will be with you at that time. I'll, I'll tell you what to say. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the words to say even when you don't have them on your own. Not good enough for Moses. Moses' next excuse. Moses answers, well, what if they don't believe me? Or they, what if they don't listen to me? Or they say, like, the Lord didn't really appear to you. His third but is, I don't think I'll succeed. His third but is, I don't think I'll succeed, and I think people will think I'm crazy. This essentially masks, uh, this, this is a, a mask for the worry of failure, this but. What if they don't listen to me? This negative what if worry is perhaps the greatest obstacle of, of faith. And at the core, the lack of faith is what we're saying every time we say what if, what if, what if. We've got a million what-ifs going on in our mind. Buts and excuses mask that lack of faith. But let me remind you of one of my favorite verses in regard to faith. They'll work it out. Or not. Oh, that's getting better. All right. So uh, if you're online, you're missing the party here. The people are dancing. Like, it has just gotten, gotten wild up in here. Just that one, huh? Yeah. We'll see. What, what are they going to do, you know? Like, that's some pressure over here in the, the booth pressure right there. Uh, yeah. The problem is only one person knows how to fix it, and he's standing here, I think. Uh, yeah, they have never encountered this problem. Turn them off. Let's see what that looks like. Let's just go with these, these regular ones. Dump the whole set. Oh, it won't, even, it won't even cooperate with you, huh? Yeah. Hey, there we go. Oh, the switch turns them off, too. That's good. 
it's all good. All right, so um, sometimes I, I'll be honest, as a pastor, I worry about these kind of things like, oh man, now that's messed up church. People aren't going to be able to meet God because our lights weren't working. And, and I'll be honest, it, it, it is tempting to be frustrated by it. Or for me, I, I get out of rhythm and that sort of stuff. But um, that's just like enemy doing stupid stuff to try to get you distracted. Look, if we can't worship God because of a blinking light, we've got way bigger problems than the blinking light, right? Like you've got some, I've got some soul problems. If I can't meet God and have a wonderful worship experience because one light was blinking or now we're just using these regular house lights. And so I hope that's true for you too. Like I, I know sometimes things don't go well and, and I know maybe it's a little distracting, but I hope that you can find yourself right in that pocket of worship, still staying with God and saying, God, we're here to just worship you. The lights are not lights. It doesn't matter. Drum beat on or not. Not that it was not on beat, but it was, uh, you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Okay, so back to Moses and his kind of excuses for what, why he doesn't want to do anything. He had just said, like, what if, what if they don't believe me? And this trap of what if is really common in our life. We can get trapped by it. Um, it can be this great downfall because it, it really signifies that, that uh, I'm not trusting God, right? that I don't have faith, because what if always goes down the negative trail, right? It's never like, what if I'm amazing? <laughs> what if, like, everyone likes me? <laughs> like, it's never like, this. like, what if 10,000 people, what will I do if 10,000 people come to Christ? Man, oh, that would be really hard to deal with. Like, it's never that. It's always like, what if I'm bad, or what if this negative thing happens, or, or all this kind of stuff? And, and that really just points to, like, I, I don't trust God's going to do something. I don't have faith that God can handle all of this. And, and that's the core for us as Christians, like, how, where does our faith rest, or, or how much faith do we have, or do we really trust God in these kind of things? That leads me to this famous uh, verse, one of my favorite sayings by, by Jesus, and I know that as a pastor, I probably say that once or twice a week, uh, this is my favorite verse, and you can have lots of favorites in life, okay? I like ice cream, I like cookies, I like, I have a lot of favorite things, I, li I love steak's my favorite, and ice cream, and, and so, lots, so you can have lots of favorites, but this really one, I use this... Uh, fairly often in my life. Jesus says to, the, to people, he says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move and, uh, from here to there, and it'll move. And here's the point, he says, nothing will be impossible for you. But what does he say? He says, you have to have faith as small as a mustard seed. And that kind of faith, if you just have one as small as a mustard seed, it can do the impossible. And I'll tell you, you guys, I may not have a lot of faith, and most days, I don't feel like I have a lot of faith. Most days, I don't feel like I'm this giant of the faith or, or have a mountain of faith or, or like I'm fully full of faith. I don't have a lot of faith. But you know what I do have? I, I got a little faith. I, I have definitely got a mustard seed amount of faith. God's saying, you don't need to have a, you don't need to have the mountain of faith, some giant of the, all of history of faith. He says, you just got to have a little bit of faith. And what can happen out of that tiny bit is the impossible can happen. Things that didn't seem like they could happen can happen in all sorts of situations, life situations and monetary situations and health situations and all sorts of things. And it just takes a tiny bit of faith. And, and that helps me because... Full disclosure, there's lots of times when I don't have a lot of faith. But I find myself pretty often being able to say, I have a little bit of faith. I mean, I got at least, I probably got like three mustard seeds at least. So I'm like moving mountains, oceans, and skies. Like, what is this? You know, I can do like incredible things with just this tiny bit of faith. 
You see, negative what-ifs come from the realm of doubt, not faith. Faith says, if God is guiding, then He's providing. Faith says, if God asks you, He'll come through. You know? Faith says, if God is calling me, He's also working behind the scenes to bring success about whatever I'm trying to do. Not a rhymer, clearly. Look, when God inspires, then faith replaces the negative what if with what's next. Let me say that again. When when God inspires, then faith will replace that negative what if with what's next. What's next, God? So here's God's response to Moses' what if. The Lord says to him, What's in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. (laughs) Of course. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Moses reached out, took uh, took the snake, and it turned back to the staff in his hand. This said the Lord is how you may believe that the Lord, the God your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. Moses puts his hand inside the cloak. Then he took it out. Skin was leprous. Ah! It became white as snow. Put it back in your cloak, he said. Moses puts his hand back into his cloak, takes it out. It's restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if if they don't believe or pay attention to the first sign, they may may believe the second. And if they don't believe these two signs or listen to you, then take some water out of the Nile, pour it on the ground, and the water you pour out, uh, take out of the river, it will become blood on the ground. So God's, God's response is to provide him with everything he would need to be successful. See, God promises to be the proof. He says, you don't need to prove anything to anyone. I'll be the proof. This is a similar promise to the New Testament Testament believers through the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, it says, uh, Jesus says, uh, but you will receive power, this is in Acts 1, when you receive the Holy Spirit. It won't be your power. God's power will come upon you when you receive the Holy Spirit. And in 2 Peter, it says, His divine power has given us everything, everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who who called us by His own glory and goodness. So God says, you don't have to have the power. I have the power. Just be available. Well, Moses didn't do those miracles. Moses didn't do these things. God did those things. And, and, And Moses was just standing there holding a stick. God says, just stand there, hold a stick, I'll do a miracle. Like, I can't even hold the stick, God. Shut up, hold the stick. Okay. See, God never allows us to travel without provision. You do not go out, we said earlier on your own, and you do not go out empty-handed. You go out full-handed with the blessings of God and the provision of God. If God asks you to do something, He'll provide the necessary things to get that job done, even through the use of miracles. When we travel God's path for us, it it, it puts us in line to experience and participate in His miracles. Does that make sense? So if I get on God's, so God's doing miracle stuff. And if I get on, am I doing my path? It doesn't matter. But if, if I get on God's path, then I'm in the way of miracles. If my hands are open, then he can miraculously put things into my hands. If my hands and heart are closed, then I'm not going to be participating in God's miracles. When you travel God's path, 
we put ourselves in line to experience and participate in his miracles. I know maybe some of you say, well, well, I've never seen any miracles. I've never, I've never experienced any miracles. And I would say, what's that tell you about the path that you're on? I worry that none of us need any miracles because we don't walk by faith. We walk by our own provision. I don't need miracles in my life because my finances are covered and my kids are in college and, and my 401k is there and I have health insurance and my job is secure. And I'm the only one at my company who knows what I'm doing so they can't fire me. And, and I don't really need any miracles because I'm not walking in faith at all. If I'm not on God's path, I don't need any miracles and I'm not going to see any miracles. And I wonder if we don't see any miracles, maybe it's because we're not walking in faith. Maybe we're just walking in our ability. Now, that's not an indictment. It's a question for all of us. If we are not experiencing the movement and miracles of God, then perhaps we're not on the path of God. It seems that to be on the path of God, we need to be in the way of miracles. And there's got to be something that's outside of my own ability to do. Otherwise, it's just me doing stuff. It's not even God that can be glorified in my life. If you didn't have God, would your, would your life be equally successful? If it's that, the case, then, then maybe you're not quite living the exact right life that you want. We're not the one that God wants anyway. Well, Moses isn't done with his butts. <laughs> Moses says to the Lord, Pardon your servants, Lord. I've, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant like five seconds ago. Uh, I'm, I'm slow to speech and tongue. So his fourth but is, he says, I'm not qualified. I don't have the proper talent or skill set uh, to do the thing that you ask. I'm not a good convincing speaker. I, I'm not outgoing. I'm not charismatic. I'm not good with people, etc., etc., etc. See, his fourth doubt is, uh, but is all about self-doubt. So the funny part is, though, if God is asking you, then God actually thinks that you can do it, and you're like, no, no, God, I can't do it. God's like, well, I wouldn't have asked if I thought you couldn't do it. Like, God's not going to ask you to do something that, that you wouldn't be able to be successful in. He got, he's God. He knows what he's doing. And so if he's asked you, no need to have self-doubt about whether you're able to do it or not. Sure, you're not able to do a lot of things, but if you trust that God's with you, God's like, I asked you on purpose. We'll be successful together. Don't even worry about it. Your self-doubt ought to melt in the face of God's confidence in asking you in the first place. And God reminds Moses of this. God says to him, the Lord says to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Like who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It's not, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I'll help you speak and I'll teach you what to say. He said, don't worry about it. Even in your, your lack of skill or ability, I'll be with you and I'll help you out. God reminds him that God is the one who gives skills and abilities and talents. God's the creator of those things. And he'll certainly help Moses overcome any inability or disability that he has so that he can be powerful and, and faithful to God. And it hasn't changed today. The New Testament, is, New Testament is super clear about the Holy Spirit coming, giving us supernatural spiritual gifts, gifts that maybe you didn't possess before you became a Christian. The Holy Spirit will come in and he will empower you to do the things that God asks you to do. Maybe you didn't used to have it, but, but when you start following God, then and God asks you to do something, God says, I will gift you to do the thing that I'm asking you to do. 
Maybe you didn't have patience, but the thing God's asking you to do has, requires a lot of patience, and God says, I'm going to take care of it. Don't worry. I will help that grow in you. I will make sure you have the thing that's necessary, the skill, the ability, or the temperament to do the thing I ask you to do, and I will be there helping you do it. Of course, Moses isn't done. But Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord, please just send someone else. Here's a fifth but, and I think this is the crux of the issue. Here's the real but. You know, you, you try to throw the easy ones to try to throw them off the trail, but here's the real but. The real but is I just don't want to do it. Just, just send someone else. God, I hear what you're asking. I just don't want to do it. I got no desire to do what you ask God. This shows our true heart the life is all about me. And it's all about what I want. And it's all about myself, my comfort, my journey, my, my, my. Look, Moses liked his life. He's happily married. He's got two kids. No one's trying to kill him. He left his life in Egypt behind. He's a shepherd. He goes out. He chills all day. Sheep, they, they eat grass. He kicks it all day. And then he goes home and has a wonderful family. Things are good now. And so he says, I want someone else to go. I don't want to go back into that thing that I was from. I, I don't want to deal with that thing. I, I, God, I just don't want to do it. God may ask you to do something and you have a lot of buts. Maybe that would, leave, mean, it would mean adjusting my family, but it, I can't say retirement. I'm already helping elsewhere. I love air conditioning, whatever it is. But I, I would say... In final analysis, when we get to the bottom line, though, the real but is that it's just I'm self-centered. It's the I don't want to but. Is this, like, too true for you? Why aren't you doing the things God asks? Why aren't you risking for his kingdom? Why aren't you stepping out in faith more? Bottom line, God, is I don't. I just don't want to. I'm sorry, God. Totally honestly, what I want is more important than what you want. That's what my butts are about. What I want is way more important than what you want, God. See, Moses isn't alone in his excuses. We have the exact same ones. So now it's God's turn. Final answer. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. He says, take your brother Aaron. He doesn't ask him this time. <laughs> oh, he does. What about your brother Aaron and Levite? I know he speaks well. He's already on his way to meet you. I already sent him. He'll be glad to see you. He'll speak to him. You'll speak to him. Put words in his mouth. I'll, I'll help both of you speak. I'll teach you what to say. He'll speak to the people for you. It will be as if he were, uh, he were the mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs. Go. <laughs> but by the time we get to this, God's had enough, right? And it says God gets angry. So before he was like answering, answering, answering. And then it didn't, I don't know if there was a tone switch or if the fire got bigger. Memories at this burning bush thing or like, or God's face was like, seriously, I'm going to smack you. You know, it's like, I don't know if you've been that way with, if you have kids, you're like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And they're like, okay. They said, no, 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 and then they acquiesced, right? Funny side note, like, uh, once he gets, ex once God says, 
the Bible says God gets angry. Moses' excuse stops. He's like, okay, okay. He doesn't offer any more after this. He, he goes and does what God says. So in uh, Moses' story, we know that it works out fantastically, right? This is one of the most famous things in human history, freeing the, the Israelites from Egypt and parting the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments and all this like crazy, like amazing life that he has and an adventure following God. It works out fantastically. In the story of my big butt uh, about starting a church, I d it didn't take God getting angry for me to agree. However, uh, it did take God reassuring me that he would be with me as I went. And so uh, I stepped out in faith. So I said, God, I'll do this if, God, you'll help me with three things. Because as I was thinking about starting a church, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do it, but, but I think I need three things. I said, God, I think I need money to start up with. Uh, I would need a place to meet, and I would need someone to do music for me because I can't sing or play guitar. And uh, a day or two later, I called a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Pastor Joshua Park because he had just started a church two years ago. Uh, prior to this, and so I said, I want to see like how he did it and, and if it was possible. And so I had this meeting with Pastor Joshua, and uh, I went away from that meeting with uh, unasked, didn't ask a thing from him, and he said, hey, I'll give you $2,000 to start this church if you are actually going to start a church. And he said, I would love if you would come use our building after hours, you know, in the afternoon, and just use it for free. And that, that was the first meeting I had after making that agreement with God, those three things. Then, so I had that meeting. I get in my car, go back to my apartment, uh, walk into the apartment. My friend Steve is sitting there, and I said, hey, Steve, if I start a church, uh, would you come with me and, and lead the worship at the church? And he's, I think he was like studying or something. He looks up, looks down. Maybe two seconds later, he's like, yeah, sure, and then goes back to whatever he's doing. <laughs> I was like, dude, I should have asked God for a million dollars. Like, those stupid three things. I need I need seven things, God, and a million dollars and a new car. <laughs> That's what I needed. But uh, So God, immediately within the first two days of me saying, okay, I'll do it, God, if you have these things, God's like, all right. Like our big butts are an illusion. God's faithfulness is the reality. It's not about your talent or your ability. It's, it's about your willingness to obey God's call in your life. For each of you, God is telling you to take the next step, step in your faith journey. Like it may be a huge monumental step. It may be that right now God's been leading you to this edge of something incredible. It may be a Moses-sized something. But it may be a first small step to something. It may be that, that you're going to step out in faith just over something little. Because I don't think life is filled with every moment being Moses moments. I mean, only one guy got to free the Israelites. There wasn't a lot of people going out to do that. Just one guy needed the rest of the people. God was saying, hey, faithfully follow. Hey, do this thing. Hey, do this thing. Often it's those much smaller things where God asked you, hey, you know what? I want you to be nice to that coworker who, who's really, really salty who's really prickly, and nobody else wants to be with. But I don't want, but, right? Your butts come up immediately. God asks you to be nice to an un, unlikable person. Maybe God is asking you to actually give your tithe to church. We don't monitor it, but uh, maybe he's asking you. I want you to give 10% of your income every single paycheck. <laughs> but uh, retire for what? 
not the college. I know. Maybe he's asking you to uh, join the tech team. You're like, oh, I don't know anything about, but, 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 but. No, I know. No. Maybe God asked you to take one of your kids to lunch this week, uh, pull them out of school, and just go one-on-one parent time with one of your kids. Oh, but I got so much work. At, uh, I'm not saying what God is telling you. You and God have to work that out between you two. What is God asking you to do next? What faith step is he asking you, and is your big butt in the way? We can easily convince ourselves that our butt isn't too big. Can't we? Can't we easily convince ourselves that, in fact, my butt is correct? My butt is totally legitimate. This is like the wiser way, the logical way. I can't possibly give 10% of my income because like, I can't even pay my, can't possibly follow God's call. We can't possibly go to missions because I'm, I can't possibly give the announcements at church because that would be whatever, right? Our butts aren't the reality. God's faithfulness and power is the reality. So as your pastor, I'd like you to search your heart. I'd like you to search God's word, God's word, and I'd like you to open yourself up to moving past your own butt, <laughs> past your own excuses, to step out in, in, in faith in the will of God who loves you and promises to be with you. Just test it out. God says, like, just, just trust me. And God approaches you three, four, five, six times. Don't wait till he has to get mad. <laughs> You don't want God to, I don't want God to be mad. I just want to, I, I know you're scared. I know I'm scared. I know I can't see how it'll work out if I follow God. That's where you need faith, but I don't have faith. I don't have a lot of faith, but you know what I got? I got a, I got a, I got a little faith. And that's enough to do the impossible in my life. And it's enough to be, do the impossible in your life. Just a fraction, just a tiny bit. I think, church, you have a little bit of faith. I think you got a lot of faith. So would you dare pray with me? Would you dare embrace that mustard seed of faith and commit to God to be open to his calling? No more buts, God. I want to do what you want. Would you be brave enough to even consider praying that this morning before we end in worship?